Good morning. This morning's uh, scripture is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. But, stall, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that he, if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was, went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. Thank you, Terry. How are we doing this morning, church? Great. Me too. This is our last week for a couple months where we'll be in Acts. We began in Acts chapter 5 a number of weeks ago. The hope is that throughout this year, as we survey different moments of Christians and of the Holy Spirit in the early church as we see in Acts, we can follow the same example that has been set before us. Because the Holy Spirit is still working. And we are Christians who have an opportunity to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing, what God is doing to make creation right again. And this month in particular, we've been in Acts, uh, Acts 5 through Acts chapter 9. That's uh, it will be this morning. Trying to put aces to the people who still need to know, who still need to see Jesus. If we aren't intentional to notice, if we aren't willing to be aware, we will almost certainly overlook these people. One part of living as a witness includes seeking out people who are living in the dark, who don't owe the truth. And so far, we've identified that these people can be anywhere. They can be those who openly oppose us in the church. They could be those who are in need and who are hurting. And more broadly, they are people who we're bound to find in all the different places in our lives that were scattered. I encourage you to go back and listen to these previous messages if you have not already. This morning, instead of presenting to you another group of people who need to see Jesus, I want us to consider this. Do we actually want people to see Jesus? Do we actually want others to know Jesus? I, I do not mean that there are people out there that we are intentionally withholding information from as if we're thinking, I, I sure hope I don't see them in heaven. I, I guess that could be the case, and if it is, then I think we need to have a different conversation. But are there people who are in your life who have no idea that you are a Christian, purely because you think they wouldn't care or you think they would judge you if they knew. 
realistically, I mean, this kind of response makes perfect sense. Not only is our, our, our world becoming more worldly, but non-Christians are becoming increasingly hostile to Christians. What I want us to recognize this morning is this. You might be surprised by the people in your life who are genuinely trying to make sense of this world. And if you know Jesus, then you have the answers to help them. In Acts, there were certainly a number of surprising conversions that left people unsure of what to do and how to act. But none was more surprising than Saul, who was persecuting the church. A few weeks ago, we already talked about how those that are opposing the church need to know Jesus. But how should Christians respond when people who are persecuting the church do know Jesus? How should Christians respond when the people who are persecuting them become the same people who want to know them? Are Christians too surprised to believe that God truly wants to save everyone through his Son? Let's look at a few different examples of Christians in Acts chapter 9 and how they responded to Saul's surprising conversion that was just read for us. As, uh, as was read, Saul sees Jesus on the road to Damascus where he's going in order to punish more followers of Jesus, just as he's done in Jerusalem. Let's pick back up in verse 10. And, and now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of, uh, at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here, he has authority from the chief priests to bind all of you who call on your name. Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 14. Ananias hears that Saul has arrived and is, he is called by God to go to Saul. And Ananias responds exactly how we would expect him to react. He's so surprised at this request. He tells, tells the Lord who Saul is, as if the Lord doesn't already know. I don't think Ananias is pretending to know more than God, but similar to Moses' reaction at the burning bush, Ananias is afraid of what God has asked him to do. And the thing is, and Ananias already knows this. When God puts something before us, he has already gone before us to lead the way. Let's, ke let's keep reading in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. And then he arose and was baptized and taking food he was strengthened. You and I already know the type of impact that Saul's conversion would have on the church. Saul who would become the Apostle Paul. Thankfully, Ananias was willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. He was willing to understand that the message of Jesus is for all people. But imagine if Saul's story would have stopped here. Imagine if Ananias never went to the place where God called him to go. Imagine if Saul was left blind, left asking questions, if Saul was left in the dark. What would not have happened if Ananias was too surprised to share Jesus with Saul? As Saul's story continues, more people are surprised by his conversion. Acts chapter 9, verse 19, for some, uh, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not... Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon Jesus' name? Has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. And when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul and And they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Saul, this surprising person, previously an influential Jew who had been speaking out about Christians in in the way, should have been the perfect person to share Jesus with the Jews who were living in Damascus. But instead of hearing the truth that was proclaimed by Saul, that Jesus truly is the Son of God, they were too surprised to hear the good news. So their response is to kill him before he can share Jesus with anyone else. Thankfully, there were Christians who were there who were not too surprised, who were not too surprised that even Saul could become a follower of Jesus. And they were able to save his life instead of handing him over to the Jews. But imagine if Saul's story would have stopped here. Imagine if these disciples out of fear gave Saul over to the Jews. Imagine if Saul was left vulnerable and alone. What wouldn't have happened if these disciples were too surprised to hear that Saul could proclaim Jesus. Hold on to that image of Saul, the surprising person, being saved out out of the window in a basket. We'll, We'll come back to that later. But there's one more group of people who are surprised to hear this news that Saul is uh is converted. Let's keep reading in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And when Saul came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples there, and they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. Almost identical to Ananias' initial response, the disciples in Jerusalem are understandably 
afraid, surprised at the news that Saul would want to join them as a brother. After all, wouldn't wouldn't that be the best approach if you were hunting Christians, want to go undercover in the church and find out where the Christians were? Let's keep reading. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the message of Jesus still continues to spread. Thankfully for people like Barnabas and like Ananias, they were willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. They were willing to trust that the message of Jesus truly was for all people. But imagine, again, like the other moments in Saul's story, if his story would have stopped here. Imagine if Saul had come to know Jesus and he'd returned to Jerusalem to join the church and the Christians that were there didn't want to associate with him. What would have happened if the disciples were too surprised to believe that Saul, even Saul, could be their brother in Christ instead of their enemy? Saul's story does sound rather surprising. Who would have ever guessed that God would find such a surprising person in a surprising place like Saul, an enemy of the church, an instrument of God for his purpose. But if we think about it, it's not that surprising at all. After all, doesn't God always use surprising people in surprising ways? The surprise in the story of Saul's conversion reminds me of another person in the Bible who surprisingly has a fear of the Lord. And she is found at an earlier time in the Bible when just like Saul who had become Paul, someone is saved out out of a window. In Joshua chapter 2, the Israelites are preparing to enter the promised land and Joshua sends two spies to search out the land and the city of Jericho, one of the fortified cities in the promised land. It's important to note that these are not the two good spies, Caleb and Joshua, who initially surveyed the land and declared that with God they were more than able to conquer. No, all we know about these two spies in Joshua chapter 2 is that they entered the land and they sought shelter in a brothel. Not a particularly godly location, but it was the home of a woman named Rahab. It's not entirely clear why the spies chose this location for lodging. Hopefully it was because it seemed like it was a safe place on the outskirts of town. But considering we don't even know the names of these two spies, their motivations seem a little suspect. But regardless of why they were there, the king of Jericho hears about these two Israelite men who'd entered the land and they were hiding in Rahab's home. 
and he sends for Rahab. And in her response to the king's men, she lies and claims that these two men had came and they escaped in the dark. What she did not tell the king in Joshua chapter 2 is that she had hidden those two spies on her roof. And when she returns to the spies and she reveals that she's kept them safe, she tells them she's going to allow them to escape by lowering them out the window, similar to our friend Saul, who would become Paul. Because of her kindness, she asked to be spared when Israel inevitably invades the city of Jericho. The reason I want to highlight Joshua chapter 2 is this. The hero is not the spies in that story. The hero is not the people of God who were sent out to do God's purpose. The hero in Joshua chapter 2 is the prostitute, is Rahab. When Rahab is talking to the spies, she makes an absolutely incredible declaration considering she is someone who is not an Israelite and she is someone who has never experienced God's goodness firsthand. This is what she says in Joshua chapter 2. The fear of you has fallen upon us. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. What a surprising statement from someone who's not God's people, from someone who's not experienced God's blessings, from someone who knows next to nothing about God at all. The most surprising part, though, about this scene in Joshua chapter 2 is this is hardly the last time that we hear about Rahab the prostitute. The spies are true to their word, and when Israel marches around the walls of Jericho, Rahab and her household are spared. But the most significant part of Rahab's story has nothing to do with what happens in the book of Joshua, and it has nothing to do with anything that happens in the Old Testament. The most surprising place we find Rahab, as you might know, is in a genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, And Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. David the king is a pretty important figure to be linked to, but the reason that it's so significant is who the genealogy ends with. And that's Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, the son of God. What a surprising place to find such a surprising person. I'd imagine, like Saul, if Rahab's story would have stopped in the brothel. Imagine if the spies didn't remember her when the time came. Imagine if Rahab was left behind when the walls of Jericho were falling. What wouldn't have happened if the spies were too surprised to remember someone like Rahab. The truth is, for the story of Saul who would become Paul, and even for the story of Rahab, 
even if people are too surprised, God's word and God's will will still prevail. God would have still rescued the world from sin through his son Jesus if they would have forgotten Rahab. The good news would have still spread like wildfire because of the Holy Spirit to bring about the goodness of God if people would have forgotten Saul. The real question for us this morning is not, is God going to be good, and not even, is God's word going to spread? The real question this morning that I want us to think about is this. God's word is going to spread, and God is going to be good. But are we going to be a part of it? Do we actually want people to see? Do we actually want others to know Jesus? I pray the answer is yes for many of us. But are there people in your life who have no idea that you're a Christian purely because you think they wouldn't care or you think they would judge you if they knew? You might be surprised by the people in your life who are genuinely trying to make sense of what's going on in the world around us. And if we have seen Jesus, then we have the answers to help them. There are Saul's and there are, there are Rahab's out there who need people like you and me to share them the truth. People who are currently in the dark, people who are, are experiencing heartache and pain, people who need to know Jesus. I don't know who they are, but I have a pretty good feeling that you do. They are people that are in your life. They might be your neighbors. They might be your coworkers, and they might even be in your own family. And what they need from us is to not be too surprised to think that someone like them could ever be a Christian. Who are we to think that we are any better suited to receive God's love than someone like them? If we start thinking about others as someone like them, then we've already forgotten that Jesus died for someone like them because Jesus died for someone like me. If you are not a Christian this morning, then you need to know that Jesus died for someone like you because Jesus died for all people. Because Jesus died for us, we have the opportunity to know God and bear the weight of our sins no more. We would love to study with you and show you who Jesus is. There is no lifestyle or situation that you can find yourself in that is too surprising for God's love. This morning, if you are a Christian, but you've been a little too surprised about what God can do, and you need the prayers of the church, you need to confess sin, you need to turn your life act to owe Jesus so that you can live as a witness and show people who Jesus is in this world. If you have a need, whether it's in person or on Facebook, please make it known today or, or later this week. There are people out there who are in the dark, and we cannot be too surprised to think that someone like them is loved by Jesus. If you have a need this morning, would you come as we stand and as we sing?